0: Number one is because anytime I can have a break, I enjoy that. (laughs) You know, when I come to church, it's a little bit different, I I, I would suppose, than maybe just how everyone else comes to church. That's why uh, oftentimes Trace and I will slip away and we'll have what we call our church time because a lot of things can be going on in your mind. And so it's always a treat when someone comes to our house and is able to share and I can just relax and I can just absorb and, and, and receive just like, any one of you. And, and today we're especially pleased because it is so hard to get my son Clayton and his wife Bethany away from their responsibilities in Gainesville, Georgia and to come be with us here in Charleston, South Carolina. And I'd just like to say, you know, that, that all of you, if you have children, we're all proud of our children. And uh, you're proud of your kids. I'm proud of my kids. And we ought to be, you know, just they're just a part of who we are. And, and it's always a delight to see them and to see them when they're doing, doing well. Um, I'm always amazed uh, with my children how they have grown up in a pastor's home. That's all they've ever known was a pastor's home. And they've seen the good, the bad, the ugly. And it wasn't a Clint Eastwood movie either. I mean, I, I mean they've seen some pretty ugly things in the kingdom of God. And, and one of the concerns that uh, Trace and I have had has been, even despite seeing all the things that can happen that aren't so nice, even within the kingdom of God and the body of Christ, our our prayer has always been, Lord, somehow, some way, keep your hand on them, because whether they don't like, you know, whether or not they like God's people, they need to keep liking you. And uh, you know, we we may not like each other, but we sure enough better stay liking God. And and one of the joys, and it's really not so much because I know of me, I, I'll give some credit to Trace that she has done a wonderful job in in the way she has mothered and, and been just a spiritual impact in their life. So whether it be Kalen or Tyler, or as I introduced to you, Clay, um, I'm just, I'm just thrilled that, uh, our children love Jesus. And you know what I, we pray and we're on it all the time. I mean, we do, tra- Clay will tell you long distance. We'll still spiritually input him, you know, you know, you need to do this. And, and when we prayed for his wife, Bethany, you know, Bethany's the one that can, you know, keep you spiritual too. I mean, she's going to, keep you on target as well. So we're just, we're just delighted. But Pastor Clay was with us for a short season. Uh, he graduated from Hillsong College in Australia. Uh, because of all the folks he knew, the networking and the gifts and skills and anointing that was on his life, doors opened up to him. And so he and Bethany now serve at Free Chapel Worship Center in Gainesville, Georgia started as sort of the creative arts director and the worship leader for the youth group, but because of all sorts of transitions these last couple of years, he's now the youth pastor and oversees hundreds of, of young people. And so uh, he's right in the thick of it at a large church that's impacting the nation, impacting the world, and uh, just wrote me an email the other day and, and said that I believe Twenty-six people at one of the services made first-time decisions for Jesus. And, you know, that's really cool. When you can share with with your son about winning people to Jesus, there just isn't anything better than that. And so I'm delighted he's here. He's not here because he's my son. He's here because I got a youth pastor at a happening place with an anointing on his life that's making an impact in his city, his state, and his nation And so we obviously love them. I want you to love them, too. Put your seatbelts on. Clayton Baird, come on up and share with us what's on your heart and life.
1: We love you.
2: Thank you very much. So good to be uh, back in Charleston. How is everyone doing? Trust you're doing well. Um, Being back here, kind of got the tour yesterday of all the stuff that's been going on and seeing a lot of the... The new things that are taking place and some of the new initiatives that uh, you all have uh, started doing. And I, I tell you what, I kind of feel like I, I know now what the Queen of Sheba felt like when she went and she visited King Solomon. And she said, I've heard about the good things, but what, what I've heard isn't even the half of it. And um, I believe that legacy is moving forward and I'm hearing great things. And I know God's doing awesome stuff. I see now that you even have your own in-house construction, Mr. Noah Pruitt back there. And, um, every, every other thing I said, oh, that looks awesome. Who did that? Oh, Noah did that. And, um, and so, uh, but it's good. The church is, is linking together. People are getting unified and stuff's moving forward. I think that's absolutely fantastic. And, um, in Gainesville, God is showing up and he is doing big time stuff. Um, Bethany and myself oversee our, our middle and high school youth ministry there at Free Chapel now and um, probably combine somewhere between six and 700 students and um, God is doing amazing things and um, in the month of August we actually had a fantastic month in our youth services over 70 uh, altar commitments and, and not all first time salvations but 70 altar decisions and recommitments and, and that's the numbers I like keeping up with amen. And, um, and God is doing fantastic things. Out of our entire youth ministry, we've had now over 300 students go through our what we call discovery discipleship classes and through our encounters there at youth. And um, so they're getting plugged in. There's actually five phases in our discipleship process. And we've had 300 students graduate from those phases. And now they're serving back in in the leadership. And so they're moving forward. Things are growing. It's getting exciting. We, we continue to do conferences and reach other people. And, and, you know, a uh, uh, pastor dad actually said something interesting. He actually used the word networking, but I don't actually believe in networking. I, I absolutely hate networking, but I'm, uh, I'm totally for building relationships with people. Don't want to network with you, but I'll definitely build a relationship with you and we can move forward and, and start doing what God wants us to do. And so God's just putting amazing people in our path. I'm learning a lot. Um, you know, just being where we are, I guess I have opportunity to, uh, to grab hold of some other youth pastors out in the nation and kind of shake them, grab some information and some, and some, uh, just things that they've learned along the way. And so they're pouring into me and like, like pastor said, I'm constantly emailing him and, and we're chatting about things and because, you know, you don't know it all, you never do. And, um, so you just keep moving forward. And as much as you can link up with other people, God continues to speak to you and do some amazing things. And so, um, it's all good, and we are absolutely thrilled to be here this morning. Do you have your Bible with you? If you do, go ahead and pull it out. We're actually going to stand up this morning, if you don't mind. I'm a new school preacher with some old school values, and so we're going to stand for the preaching of God's Word. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to be in verse 7. I'm going to read about three different passages, and then we'll be seated, and we'll get started this morning. Matthew chapter 7. Says this, and you can follow along. It says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks the door will be open. If you don't mind, flip over to Ephesians now, chapter one, starting in verse five. It says this: In love, he being God predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with With his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given. Everyone say freely given. He has freely given us in the one he loves being Jesus. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And now back to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10 verse 38. And it says this. And anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me, is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Can we pray real quick? Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you today, Lord, and we don't ask you to be with us because your word tells us that when we are in you, the same power that rose Christ from the dead, it's inside of us, Lord. So we know your Holy Spirit is here in this place, but we pray that you would be tangible this morning, God, that you would let an outpouring be released in this place. We know, God, that your word remains forever. The grass withers and the flower fades, but it's your word that lasts a lifetime, God. And so this morning, I pray that we take your word, we sink it deep down into our heart that we might not sin against it, and we're going to do everything in our power to bring glory and honor to your name. Bless us this morning, God, as we truly seek out wisdom and knowledge through you and through your son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, this morning, what we need to understand is that Jesus Christ came to earth and he died once and for all, for all mankind. He doesn't have to do it again. He's not going to do it again. The first time was good enough. And he died once and for all, for all mankind. Salvation is free. It came to us free. Just like we read just there in Ephesians, it was a free gift. It came to us. We didn't have to do anything for it. Salvation is free. But what we have to understand now is that everything after salvation will cost you something. It's going to cost you something. Somebody has to die. You're thinking, wow, this is a great start. This is awesome. That somebody has to die. Galatians 2 verse 20, a very familiar passage to us in the church. Paul makes reference to the life we now live. The life we now live. And I believe that as believers and Christ followers, there must come a point in all of our lives, in the relationship and the journey that we're on, that we must go through the gate of Galatians two twenty. We must go through the gate of that verse in order to understand the power and the necessity of the now life. The now life is a life of change. Everyone say change. The now life is a life of change. This morning I want us to take a look at a very very familiar uh, story and passage in Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3, and you've heard it before. It's a story of three young men named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we're not going to open up the word and read all the passage for the sake of time. But I want us to understand what's going on in this verse. There's a king, his name's Nebuchadnezzar, and, and the, the Jews are actually in exile. And these three boys are working in the king's palace, in there, and they're doing everything they know to do. And all of a sudden, this king, Nebuchadnezzar, he has this idea one day, and he's going to construct a golden statue, a golden image. And when this music plays, he's going to have this killer band come up and they're going to strap on their guitars and they're going to get ready and they're going to go for it. When they start playing, when they start rocking out, everyone's going to bow down and everyone's going to worship this golden image. You see, the thing we need to understand about Nebuchadnezzar is in that story, Nebuchadnezzar is, uh, I, I believe that he is a figure of Satan in this passage. And he's still, just like Satan today, is still trying to get people to bow down to things in our communities and in our schools and in our families. It's the exact same thing. That's the parallel that's happening in this story. He's a symbol of Satan. And what we need to understand in our life today is that image is everything. In the church, we like to think, oh, it's not all about the image. It's about the heart. No, image is everything. The world doesn't understand the heart. They understand the image. What image are we portraying? We need to be portraying the image of Christ. Image is everything. And here in this story, these three boys, I can just see them now. They're probably walking around the marketplace. And you know, by now, this, this new rule has been posted up everywhere about this statue and about bowing down and worshiping this image. It's probably all over the place and people are talking about it. And, uh, and they're, they're, they're going and they're asking their friend, man, did you hear about this? Did you hear about this thing, man? Are, what are you gonna do in the music place? Are you gonna bow down? Heck yeah, I'm gonna bow down. Oh my gosh. You know, I don't wanna, I, I've heard about that furnace, man. I don't wanna go to that furnace. They're talking about it and people are communicating with each other. I bet, you know, at some point, one of the boys probably got asked the question, Shadrach, man, Shadrach, what are you, you going to do when that music plays, man? You're going to bow, man? I'm totally going to bow. Are you going to bow, man? And Shadrach probably looked back and he's like, no, nah, man, I don't, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to bow. <laughs> yeah, right, man. Yeah, right. There's no way. There's no way. Come on. Meshach, Meshach, come on, Meshach. I don't know about this guy. What are you going to do, Meshach? Come on. You're going to bow, right? I don't, I don't think so, man. I don't think I'm going to bow. But you, you said, Abednego, Abednego, come on, buddy, buddy, come on. What are these guys? They're crazy, man. What are you, you're going to bow, right? Actually, I don't, I don't, I don't think so, man. Listen, you guys, you guys are nuts. Do you not understand what is at stake here? You, you will die. It's not worth the risk. It's not worth the risk. You've heard about the furnace. Come on, guys. Come on, make, come on, change your mind. Come on, listen to your friend. Listen to your friend. But they said, no, no, I don't think, I don't think we're going to bow, man. I don't, I don't think we're going to do it. And sure enough, I'm probably later that day, who knows? Maybe later in the afternoon, and and the music starts to play, and all of a sudden they hear the sounds, and they hear the flutes and the trumpets, and they hear all these things, and I could just imagine all over the marketplace in the town, everyone is now getting on their knees, and they're they're putting their head as low to the ground as they possibly can, and they're they're bowing this image that has now been built right there in the center of town, and everyone's getting on their on their face, and and here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they're just standing up and I can, I can just see it and imagine in a sea of people, three men are still on their feet. And I think, you know, one of the guards probably saw this and immediately he goes back to the king. He's like, King Nebuchadnezzar, you won't believe this. I found three guys who were out of their mind. I don't know what they're thinking. They will not bow. And the king is enraged. What do you mean they won't bow? Well, who are they? It's, it's that Shad, Shadrach and Radio Shack, whatever his name is. I, it's these guys over here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, bring him to me. Bring him to me right now. And so he goes and he gets them and he brings them to the king. And he, and he takes them before the king. And the king says, guys, tell me this isn't the truth. Tell me this is not the truth. Come on. Our, our, my guards must be lying to me. I know you boys. I know you. Tell me this isn't true. Why won't you bow? And they said, king, we're not going to bow to your image. We believe in the one true God, the God of Abraham and Isaac. We're not going to bow down to this image. And and King, you can do whatever you want to us. And we've heard about the furnace and we know about all that stuff. And, and we're believing that our God is going to deliver us from anything that you might try to put us through. But even if he doesn't, we're still going to stand. We're still going to stand. We're not going to bow down to your image. And the king, the king then, he, uh... He, He's asking, why won't you bow? But then he said something I think really ticked God off. He said, who is this God that will deliver you from the furnace? And I see, that's where he screwed up. Who is this God that's going to deliver you? And I think God saw that. And he said, who's this God? Who is this God? I'm this God. And God right then, I believe he said, I'm going to do something amazing right here, right now. Who is this God? I love what the boys say. If you read the passage, you can go home and read it later today. Um, the, The boys say to the king, they said, Oh, king, we have no need to answer you. I find that fascinating. We have no need to answer you. You see, as long as you need the world system, you can't change it. As long as you need popularity and acceptance everywhere you go, you can't preach the gospel. Paul said in Galatians, in his book to the Galatians, he said, if I wanted to be a people pleaser, then I would not be a servant of Jesus Christ. I would not be a servant of Jesus Christ. They answered the king and they said, king, we have no need to answer you. But just to humor you, king, we just want to let you know that, that the reason we're not bowing down to your statues is because we only bow once. See, the word of God tells us, everyone, here this morning, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I suggest you bow once and not twice. Bow once and not twice. The three boys, the king said, well, that's it, guys. You've you've tied my hands. It's, it's, It's just the furnace for you now. And so I think he tied them up and and they start walking down what I imagine to be a long hallway down to the furnace that they can see at the very end of the hallway and they're probably sitting there going, "Okay, God, here it is. We're stepping out. Where are you? Meshach, I thought you said this would work. Where, where is God at?" And up in heaven, I think God sees these boys, and I think, you know, I could just picture, like, like the angel Michael and Gabriel, and they're just right there, and they're ready. They're like, God, are, they're, they're walking down, Lord. There they are. They're walking down. You want us to go in, God? Is, it, is now the time? And God's like, no, just wait. Just wait. Wait. Okay. All right. Um. God, God, they're getting really close now. Uh, They're getting really, they can probably feel the heat. I I can see Shadrach sweating right there. They're getting really close. You want us, God, you want us to go down right now? God, come on, me and and Michael are ready. We're ready to go. No, just wait, just wait, just wait. This is sadistic. What is going on? God, God, come on. What are you doing? And all of a sudden, oh my gosh, oh, oh, there they go. They're in now. What are we going to, they're in the furnace. God, they're in the furnace. You let them, they're toast. They're toast. And God goes, all right, let's go. They go down and they fall. And, and I believe God meets them right there in the midst of the furnace. And, and the word of God tells us that a fourth figure shows up at the furnace. And you know, just a little side note. I think a lot of times, uh, and I was just thinking about this in the midst of preparing for my message. I think that a lot of times we get very christian uh, when we're in our workplace and we're out in the community and we get very Christian, we get see so we get so tired and sick of seeing people bowing down to to the images of this world and they're bowing down to false stuff, you know, whether it be you know uh, promiscuity, sex, drugs, bad business ethics, whatever it might be, and they're bowing down to all this stuff and, and we get we we get around them in the workplace and they're so dirty and they're so icky and we just we try to, you know, move around them, don't touch me and you know, and then we get to church and we sit down and we're like, thank God I can just rest. I can rest from all the dirty, nasty people that are in the world and we wonder why people are bowing down to false images but has it ever occurred to you that the reason people bow down to a false image is because it may very well be the only image they've ever seen it may very well be the only thing they have ever seen you see people want to see real people want to see genuine and that false stuff it's real and it's genuine but when they don't see another image Why fault them for bowing down to the only thing they've ever seen? That's why it's so important for us to raise up a new standard, a new image, the image of Christ. Amen? Amen. People can tell whether someone actually believes what they mean. Christ's image will never truly be seen in this world. And change will never happen in our life until we go through the fire. Until we go into the fire, fire. Until we go into the fire and we decide that we are not bowing. You see, in this passage in Daniel chapter 3, three boys died that day. Actually, like uh, Pastor Clay uh, actually didn't die. Uh, you might want to read the rest of the scripture. No, three boys died that day. You know what died inside of themselves? Self, self-image self died, self-ambition died, their self died that day. And the king looks in and he, and he looks in and he, he peers through the window and he sees four figures in there and he says, hey, didn't we, didn't we throw three guys in there? The guard, come here, guard, didn't we throw three guys in there? Yeah, king, I don't know, maybe a spare guy got in somewhere, I don't know. Well, well that other guy, who is that? He looks like, looks like God, he look, look, doesn't he look like God? Well, well, I don't know, king. I don't. Know. Well, get him out of there. Come on, get him out of there. And they come out. You see, when somebody minds, when somebody doesn't mind dying for a cause and dying for a purpose, that's when Jesus Christ begins to show up in our life and he begins to work miracles and he begins to do things and he begins to provide for us. When we don't mind dying, when you don't mind going through the fire, when people decide that they want to bring change to a community, a nation, a family, when you want to bring serious change, those boys were serious. They were going to bring some change to the land. They were going to bring change to Babylon just by standing up and making a stand for the one true God. And when we decide in our hearts that we don't mind going through the fire and the hard times and the trials, that's when Jesus Christ shows up on our behalf, amen? And he begins to do amazing things. We all love to tell people, this is so interesting about Christians, is, is we live um, our, our, our little Christian lives and everything's going so well. And we love to tell people, man, you need to get your stuff straight and you need to follow God and, and you need to start coming to church with me. And meanwhile, everything is just dandy in your life. And, and when things are going well and we try to witness to people, nobody listens. You ever notice that? Nobody listens. But when someone sees you go into the fire and out of the fire and you don't even smell like smoke and there's no singe on you because Jesus Christ was there in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your hard time, in the midst of your problem, when they see that stuff, all of a sudden it clicks in their mind, wow, wow, that person, can, I can't even believe they made it through that. It surely would have killed me. What in the world is going on in their situation that I need to know about? You see, fire is where the unnecessary things of life are burned away. Fire burns the unnecessary things away. And you can't go through fire and stay the same unless you are holy. Unless you're holy. You see, the problem with our culture today and our nation is not... Health care and same-sex marriage and abortion and whatever else. The problem with our nation today is too many preachers have stopped preaching holiness and righteousness. And people are losing the fact that we need to be connected to God. It's not about, you know, Christians out there today are trying to find the path of least resistance. How How can I make it through life and not sacrifice everything? The bottom line is you can't. You can't. Matthew chapter 10, unless you are willing to pick up your cross every single day and follow me, you are not worthy of me. You're not worthy of me. Too many Christians trying to find the past path of least resistance. Whatever is pure can be tested and will be tested by fire. Whatever is pure can make it. You see, these three boys, they lived a holy life. They lived a holy life and the Bible says that when they came out, there was not even a hint Of smoke, There was not even a hint that they had even been inside of a fire. When you live holy, you can stand the testing by fire, amen? God is looking for some fire fires. God is looking for some people who are willing to walk into the fire and say, Lord, I'm believing in this situation, it might be hell that I'm walking through this week, and I'm believing that you're going to be there with me, God. You're going to deliver me, and you're going to prove yourself to be faithful and true and work a miracle out on my behalf. But even if you don't, I'm still going to stand. I'm still going to stand. Yeah, give God a praise. Give God a praise this morning. I'm still going to worship. I'm still going to call you Lord. But the issue today is too many people want it their way. Too many churchgoers want it their way. This ain't Burger King. This is the church of Jesus Christ. Too many people want to make up their, their own rules. Because, you know, you come into church and, and it, you know, it's, it's almost hard. You know, you want to invite someone to church. Hey, come and join me on a Sunday morning where we, we pick up our cross and we sacrifice ourselves every day for the call of Jesus Christ. It's not very good propaganda, is it? It's like, you know, no thanks. Uh, you know, it's, it's difficult. And so people want to create their, their own rules and their own way of thinking because it's a difficult thing that the Bible asks And because people want it their way, they approach church extremely wrong. People people approach it extremely wrong. And there's five approaches to church that drive me absolutely crazy. And if you're taking notes, why don't you write these down? There's five things that I've noticed that drive me absolutely crazy about people approaching the church. The first one is called the bunny approach. What's the bunny approach, Pastor Clay? It's this. I'm going to... ha. I'm going to hop over here because, man, this church has got awesome. They've got awesome worship. But then, oh, the preaching looks good over there. Okay, so now I'm going to come over here. Oh, but look, that place has got great singles ministry. So now I'm going to hop over here. Oh, but there's small groups over there. They've got great small groups. And people hop and hop and hop around. It's the bunny approach. It's the bunny approach. People just hop around. They, they're going to hop around because all oh, this place has got great this. all oh, that pastor over there is really great. All, oh, but the guy I'm kind of liking goes to that church over there. So I'm going to hop over there a couple weeks a month. It's the bunny approach. You know, in the book of James, it talks about a man who's unstable and, and, and actually talks about that when we are unstable and when we become double-minded about things and we don't, we don't sink ourselves in and get planted to stuff and become single-minded, the Bible says that we become unstable and the Word of God actually says that unstable people receive nothing from me. They receive nothing. So these people who are hopping around all month long, all year long to all these different places, they think they're receiving to so the small groups here and they're receiving this here and they're receiving, but the truth of the matter is, is you're not receiving anything you're not receiving anything because you're unstable. It's time to get planted. Number two, the second approach is the movie theater approach. The movie theater approach. This one's pretty easy. Clay, what's that? Entertain me. Entertain me. What is what is this church going to do? What tricks do they have to make me go, wow, whoa, cool, man. I've never even seen that before. It's that movie theater approach. You know, as a youth pastor, I, I, you know, I used to think, you know, that, that you know, as a youth pastor, what it took was, you know, you got to get up there for 30 minutes, be a stand-up comedian, and then for five minutes, you're going to slip in a little bit of the Word and have an altar call. That's what I used to think. No, the heck with that. I'm going to get up and preach the Word of God, and I'm going I'm to help change lives, and students' hearts are going to be turned back to the Father. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to get up there and be a stand-up comedian, tell some few jokes, and then all the way, by the way, Jesus loves you. Have a good day. Have a good week. See you next time. No. No. But people want to be entertained. The movie theater approach. The third approach is the Simon Cowell approach. Does everyone know who Simon Cowell is? American Idol, the British guy. Simon Cowell. What, what kind of approach is this? It's the critique approach. Someone's going to come into church and they're going to critique every little thing that they see. They're going to critique it all. Well, that, that man, that music's too loud. Oh, that music's not loud enough. Man, that preacher preaches too long. Oh, that preacher, he's too hard on people. Why don't you get some grace in there? Come on, what's going on? And, they, and they'll critique everything. I don't, I don't like the way they got the bathroom set up. I don't know. I don't blah, blah, blah. You know, and they critique and that's all they do. The Simon Cowell approach. You know what? I, I, one of the things that I absolutely dislike, nay, I hate, is when, people, is when people say, oh, that church just, they just didn't feed me, man. I just wasn't getting fed at that church. And I just want to say, good, because church isn't about feeding you. It's about changing you. It's not about feeding you. It's about creating change and transforming mindsets. If your approach to church is to sit back and decide on whether you want to vote this place in another week, then guess what? You don't get it. Take your vote somewhere else. That's not what the church is for. We don't sit back and decide, am I going to vote this place in? Do I want to cast my ballot? It's not what it's about. It's a Simon Cal approach. Number four, fourth approach is the Starbucks approach. Clay, what's the Starbucks approach? It's conversational church. Conversational church. You know, I just want a church that's going to be relaxing. I just want, to, I just want to chill out. I just want to hang out. You know, I don't want it to be too hard on me. Come on, let's just, let's just have some easy going church. You know, you got these, you got these guys today who, who call themselves com- conversationalists. What is that? You know, you know, like these guys who get up and they say, you know, for today's talk, I'm going to give us uh, five points. You know, I believe in the fivefold ministry, and nowhere in there does it say anything about conversationalists and talkers and sharers. I don't get up here and share the word. I'm not. A sh- I'm not Pastor Clay the sharer. That's not what I am. No, I'm a preacher. I preach. You listen. Our lives get changed, and together we build the Church of Jesus Christ. And because He sees our hearts, He knows that His reputation is safe here. Amen. That's what we do. We preach the word of God. We teach the word of God. We don't share. We don't talk. I don't, I don't talk. I don't come up here and give little talks. I don't know what that's all about. But that's the, that's, that's the Starbucks approach. Everyone wants to be just laid back, you know? Let's not offend anyone. Let's just chill out. Starbucks approach. And the fifth approach is, is the Diet Coke approach. And you probably know what this one is, even before I say it. I'm going to have uh, two Big Macs. Uh, I'm going to have a fries. Um... The ten piece nugget and uh, two apple pies and i 'm going to 'll give me a a diet Coke with that it 's a diet Coke approach we want to we want to live our week like hell, and we want to do whatever we want and make our own decisions and then we want to come in here on a Sunday morning and wash it all down with a cold glass of church doesn 't work that way doesn 't work that way. you know church is not. Church is not some little piece of your spiritual health plan. It is a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle change. When Paul in Galatians talked about the now life, he's not talking about the now once a week. He's talking about a complete lifestyle transformation that takes place when we find ourselves in Christ. It changes everything about us. We don't do what we want and then wash it all down with a little bit of church, a little bit of small groups, a little bit of Ironman meeting, a little bit of women's event. We don't do that stuff. But it's a lifestyle change that we commit ourselves to when we plant ourselves in it. Don't be found in the Diet Coke approach. It's time for people in the church to get committed, get planted in the house of God, and prepare to live the now life. Amen. You know, I used to think people didn't come to church for three reasons. I I, I had like I had and I, one of our pastors uh, that I work with. Uh, Back, back in uh, Gainesville, our college pastor, we talked about this, and we came up with three reasons why we thought people didn't come to church. The top three reasons. And um, the first reason was busyness. Oh, people are busy, you know? Second reason is laziness. And the third reason was disinterested. I used to think, man, okay, you know, valid excuses. But, but you know, then I began to look at them. I, you know, busyness. Okay, someone doesn't come to church but because they're busy. Well, that same person who's too busy to come to church on a Sunday morning is not too busy to set their alarm and make sure they get to the beach or the lake by 9 a.m. They're not too busy for that. They're not too busy this afternoon to make sure that they, they, they skip church, but they're not too busy to make sure that they get home for the race, for the sprint cup race in Atlanta this afternoon. They're not too busy for that. And not only do they watch the race, but they know every single driver, they know all the stats, and they know who's ahead and the point standings. They know all that stuff. They're not, they're not too busy. They're not too busy to come to church. Well, then I thought, okay, well, It's laziness. You know, people maybe they're just lazy. No, but then I begin to realize they're they're not lazy because that person who's too lazy to come to church on a Sunday morning, you know, they actually worked 60 hours this week. Not only did they work 60 hours, but they picked the kids up from school, they painted the house, and they they did some yard work and they did some more stuff. You know, they're not too lazy, they're not lazy. They're just too lazy to get out of bed on Sunday morning and come to church, but they're not lazy disinterested. You to think, okay, well, maybe people are just disinterested from church. They're just not, not interested in, in receiving, you know, values and, and good morals to help lead their life in a positive way. You know, I don't know what it is. Maybe they're disinterested, but that same person who is too disinterested for church will religiously watch Oprah every single day of the week. And then after that, her co-pastor, Dr. Phil, they'll get on that. And they're not disinterested because, and if they're not there, they'll TiVo they'll that junk. You know what I mean? Just, they'll make sure they record that stuff. And, and they're not disinterested because they really want to hear about the five tips on how to make my children more obedient. They really care about that, you know? They're not disinterested. And so we came up with a new number one reason as to why people don't come to church and why they don't participate and get planted and change lifestyle. The new number one reason is this. It's disappointment or disillusionment. Clay, what does that mean? They came once and nothing happened. They came once and nothing happened. They did not experience change. You see, Legacy Church must always, always, always be a place of change. I know it is. I know it is because I know the leadership and I know how things work. But we must always keep in mind inside of our our churches that it must always be a place that is experiencing change. And for change to happen, you've got to be willing to risk. If you come week in and week out and you're not experiencing change, then perhaps it's because you're not willing to risk. You're not risking anything. You see, for those three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they risk. They risk big time. They stood up and they said exactly what we read, even if, even if. God chooses not to deliver us. We're going to stand. I'm going to risk it all. It's right here on the line. I'm risking it because I want to see change that bad in my life. I think about the story in the New Testament and the Gospels about the woman with the issue of blood. And how she was willing to risk In order to see change in her life. She pressed through the crowd. All so that she could just touch the bottom of Jesus' garment. Was there anything special about his garment? Absolutely not. But it was her expectation that man if I could just grab a hold of that. All of a sudden change is going to be in my life. All of a sudden I'm going to be transformed. I'm going to be healed. And when we come to church on a weekly basis. If we're not experiencing change in our life. Then it's time that you begin to engage yourself. Engage your soul. Your mind, your will and your emotions. Engage that stuff. And begin to reach out and grab hold of the change. Grab hold of the change. Press through whatever it is and grab hold of it. Is there anything special about this wood and these altars? No. But when you come down here and you expect change to happen in these altars, God shows up. Just like he showed up in the furnace. Just like he turned around and he said, who touched me? Woman, you're healed. He shows up. When you press through it. That's what God's calling us to do. It's a lifestyle of change. When he shows up, he brings change. 99% of the battle is just to keep showing up. Clay, how do I bring change to my life? How do I begin to do that? 99% of the battle is just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. Week in, week out, I'm showing up. Ironman, I'm showing up. Ladies event, I'm showing up. My small group, I'm showing up. Because God meets you. God begins to work inside of you. If you're missing out if you're skipping, if, if, if somehow, some way, there's an excuse that's actually valid and you're skipping, just just don't be surprised when when God's not showing up. Why? Because you're not engaging. You know, if you come to Legacy Church and and, and you just come in weak, Week in and week out, and all you do is participate on a Sunday, you know, it's time to take it to the next level. It's time to engage your soul. It's time to engage in the things that are available around here. Why? How could you be in a church as focused and as, and as right on track as this, and you're still not involved in a small group? And you're still not coming to the men's and the women's events? How can, you, how can you sit here for an entire year in these services and not be any more plugged in than where you're at right now? It's time that you engage. It's time that you engage Christ and bring change to your life. Step out, take the risk. Make some make some relationships that are going to be beneficial to you. And it's so ex- it's so important that we expect change to come in our life. We expect it every single Sunday that God is going to do something amazing and he's going to speak directly to my life, you know. Don't question in your mind whether he's going to do it or not, you know? A lot of times we just we question and we think about it too much. You know, actually I think about this real quick, you know. Did you know that, you know, speaking of, you you mentioned something about the end times, pastor. And you know this, a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, especially us Pentecostals, we're we're so intrigued by the end times stuff. Did you actually know that there's two marks of the beast? Did you actually know this? And people are like, whoa, didn't know that. Yeah, there's actually two marks of the beast. Open up your Bible to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to show you this. When I first saw this, it blew my mind. Genesis chapter 3. But God did say... I'm sorry, where am I at? All right, yeah, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Question mark. Question mark. That's the very first time any question came up in the entire scriptures came from Satan. You see, what the, the mark that Satan loves to put on our head is a big fat question mark. Did God really say... Did God really, do you really have to go every single week? Wow, that's a big commitment. Do you really have to go every single week for God to show up in your life and bring change to to your son that's far from him? Do you really have to show up? Do you really have to make relationships inside of a small group for God to do that stuff? And the enemy brings questions to our head and he begins to question the word of God and question whether, man, is that really right? It's, It's the second mark of the beast. And the enemy just loves to bring questions. Don't let the enemy question whether what you've heard is truth or not. Don't let him question whether this word is true. You know what's right. If you've been in here an entire year, two years, three years, you you know what's right and you know what's wrong, but yet sometimes we still get, we still sit back and we ponder, wow, is that right? Is that right? Man, I don't know. Did God, does God really want me to do that? that, that? Is that really his will for my life? And we let the enemy bring in all these questions inside of our life. Don't let the enemy question what God has already purposed in your heart to do. Don't let him question what you know to be right. Before we bring change to the world around us, we have to bring change to ourselves. Before we can change anybody around us, we must first bring change to ourselves. Clay, how do we bring change to ourselves? Worship. Worship. I want you to turn your Bible to Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 46. Ezekiel chapter 46 and verse 9. Worship brings change. Amen. Ezekiel 46, verse 9. And it says this When the people of the land come before the Lord at the appointed feast, whoever enters by the north gate to worship is to go out the south gate. And whoever enters by the south gate is to go out the north gate. No one is to return to the gate by which he entered, but each is to go out the opposite gate. You see, this was actually written in the book of the law. It was written. To everyone who was coming in to worship during the feast. And, and it is it's instructional. It simply says. If I am coming in to worship the Lord. And I come in the north gate. And I worship the Lord. I am not to go out the north gate. If I come in the north gate. And I worship the Lord. I am to go out the south gate. And if I come in the south gate to worship the Lord. Don't you go back out the south gate. Don't you go back out this gate. But when you come in the south gate. And you worship the Lord. You go out the north gate. You see, what it's telling us is when you come in one way, don't go out. I don't go out. If I come in the north gate, I don't go out the northeast gate. I don't go out the northwest gate. No, you go out the exact opposite gate that you came in from. And I think it's time that the people of God begin to come into church on a Sunday morning. We begin to worship, and we don't begin to leave through the same way that we came in. Amen? But we stand up and we get changed. God brings transformation in our life and we don't walk out the same. You come in depressed, then you're going to leave full of joy. You come in bound up, addicted by stuff, you're going to leave set free. You come in fearful about the future, then you're going to leave with a spirit of power and love and a sound mind, amen? It's time that when we come into worship, we don't leave the exact same way. You come in one way. Don't you, don't you leave this morning the exact same way you came in? Don't you do it? The Bible says leave complete opposite. Don't even don't even leave a little bit changed. You gotta leave absolutely changed. The now life is a life of change. Everyone say change. You know, there's a there's a restaurant in Atlanta. It's called the Varsity. Has anyone ever heard of the Varsity down in Atlanta? And uh, it is definitely of the Lord, and uh, and it's uh, it's been there for just ages and ages and years and years. And the Varsity, they sell you know they sell a few things now. You know they're they're up in their menu, but the Varsity is pretty much about two things: it's about hamburgers and it's about hot dogs, and that's it. And you go there and. And, and, you know, because of, the way, because of the way things are these days and because people are so opinionated and they want what they want, you know, they're, they're working with you on your order. But pretty much you can tell that when you go into the varsity, they expect you to either get a hamburger or a hot dog, and they don't want to hear about what you want on it because they just make it one way, you know? They don't they don't they don't care about what you want. You can tell them and they kind of give you the whatever. You know, but but the varsity is about two things hamburgers and hot dogs, and they're gonna make them the way they make them, and there ain't anything you're gonna do to change it. And that's what it's all about. So the other day, me and another one of our assistant youth pastors were down at the varsity and we're eating, and um and we get you know and, and we get down there, man. We had we had some hot dogs with onions and, and chili and ketchup and mustard, and oh my gosh, I'm hungry. And um And so we we had our we had our our lunch and we head back up to the office and we walk in and our our receptionist Connie, she's sitting there and and we walk past her and she she does this, she goes, Woo wee Somebody's been to the varsity. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know what? It's time for us to walk into our workplace on Monday morning, and for someone to look at us and go, "Woo wee, wee! Somebody's been to church. Woo wee, wee! Somebody has been eating the Word of God. Somebody has been in the presence of Jesus Christ." Amen. Because when you walk in here on a Sunday and your life gets changed and you become transformed, you should walk out of here, and it should just be lingering with you. You walk into your place, you see your family, you see your friends this evening, and they should say, Woohoo, hoo you have been to church this morning, haven't you? And you say, yes, I have. Because it brings change. It brings change, amen? It's time for us to bring change to our lives so that we can begin to bring change to the world around us. And listen, it'll never be as easy as it is today to be a Christian. It'll never be as easy. I'm not preaching doom and gloom, but read your Bible, that's what it says, It'll never be easier than it is today. The world is getting darker and darker and darker. But the good news is, is that God said my church will get brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. And, the, and I, love what the, I love what the message Bible says when, when Jesus is giving the final instruction to Peter. He says, you know, Peter, on, on you I will build my church. And the message Bible says that it will be a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell can do anything about it. You see, God's just not out there building little inky dinky churches here and there. No, he's coming back for a church that's full of life, full of vision, full of faith, full of energy. He's not coming back for dead works, but he says, I'm building churches that are so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell could do anything about it. Amen. He's, he's building places full of life. He's building places full of passion, full of zeal for the cause of Christ. And that's what legacy is about. Amen. that's that's what it's about here. That's what it's about at places like Free Chapel. We're not building little dead churches. We're building churches that preach the truth, the full truth, spirit, and in truth, word of God. And it's bringing change to people's lives, and people are getting set free. Praise God we're seeing salvation in our youth services. 70-plus students. This past, this past month, and God's doing amazing things, and, and, and your pastors will, will tell me stories about how God's working miracles here, and He's doing things in your life, and you don't know that I know the stories, but I know the stories, and things are happening, it's because we're risking ourselves, we're getting serious, we're getting passionate, we're filling ourselves up with the Word of God, and we are experiencing change. We're experiencing change, and change transforms the world around us. Jesus isn't coming back for little... Inky-dink churches. He's not coming back for for just a people who are just apathetic and, all right, if he comes, he comes. If he doesn't, he doesn't. No, he's not coming back for that. He's coming back for people who are full of life, full of passion, full of energy, ready to, ready to go out and, and accomplish the cause of Christ. Whatever it takes, whatever I have to get up, carry my, carry my cross every day, I'll do it. I'll do it, whatever it takes, because I want to be worthy. I want to be worthy of the cause when Jesus comes back. Amen? Amen. The band, why don't you go ahead and come on up behind me, if if you would. It's time for us to be a movement that is defined by change in life, full of energy and full of passion. We're going to reach the lost. Amen. Congregation, why don't you just stand to your feet with me real quick in closing. You know, something, as I was reading in Daniel chapter 3 something interesting that I saw when it came to the three young men. In the Word of God, it always puts their names in the same order, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. And it always says that every single time it it talks about them, it always says Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. never says Meshach, Abednego, Shadrach. Never, never mixes up. I'm thinking, God, what's the deal with that? You know, man, Abednego, poor guy, you know, he's always in the back. You know, what's the deal? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. But as I did more research, I began to to understand that these three boys' names represent the three millenniums. They represent the three millenniums that have been on the earth. The first millennium, Shadrach. Shadrach actually means scribe of the king. Meshach actually means guest of the king. And Abednego means servant of the king. You see, the first millennium that God was raising up, he was raising up his scribes. He was literally raising up people that were sitting down and they were writing the written word of God. They were, they were writing out the miracles and the teachings that they had seen and heard. They were writing this stuff down so that 3,000 years later, we could have it in our hand and we could, we could guide our life by this book. They were the scribes of the king. And then came the the second millennium, the guests, and during the second millennium, is, uh, it was when God was doing absolute and cr- crazy revivals all over the nation. It seemed like all over the world, in and, and, and Europe, and especially in the early days here in America, there were revivals breaking out, and, and God was sitting down, and he was, he was a guest with his people, and he, his spirit was moving, and he was doing amazing things, and, and, and people were getting healed, and he was using men like Smith Wigglesworth to do absolute incredible miracles, and God was sitting down and resting with his people, and he was doing amazing things. But here we are in this next millennium. And the final name means servant of the king. And here's what I believe. I believe that that this millennium and this generation of students and, and families and young adults and seniors will not be won by the premier preachers of the world, but it will be won by the servants of Jesus Christ who go into their workplace and they begin to bring change and make a difference for the cause. Amen? That's what I believe. That's what I believe with all my heart. It's not about... It's not about who's got the biggest church and, and, and all these big time ministries. No, this millennium is about the servants. Who's going to rise up and say, God, that's me. God, that's me. Last Wednesday, I preached a message out of Nehemiah. And what I love about Nehemiah, when it came to rebuilding the wall in the book of Nehemiah, he said he heard about what was wrong and he heard about everything that had been broken down in Jerusalem. And he simply raised his hand and he said, hey, that's me. That's me. He didn't wait to be asked. No one had to go to him and say, hey man, we're kind of needing some help with this. You think you want to partner up with us? No, he saw the need and he said, hey, that's me. He put himself out there to be a servant. He wouldn't get paid to do it. In fact, he was getting attacked while doing it. But he stood up and it's time for a church and a generation of believers to stand up and say, God, that's me. We see the need all around us every single day. We walk out of these doors. When we go to lunch today, we're going to see the need. You go to school tomorrow, young people, you're going to see the need. Tuesday, sorry, Labor Day. You're going to see the need all around you. It's time for us to raise our hands and say, God, that's me. God, I want to be a servant. I want to, I want to help bring change, Lord. I want to be the one who's willing to risk. Amen? You know, Inside of this relationship and inside of this model of Christianity, God requires us to lay down some things. And, and it's not just, hey sin, you know, get the sin out of your life. It's not just that, but God wants us to lay down the unnecessary things. Just like fire burns away the unnecessary things, God wants us to be willing to lay down the unnecessary things. Clay, what's that? Unnecessary things. You know, for some of you, it's going to be laying down the excessive amount of hobbies that you have. For some of you, it's going to be laying down those friendships that you've been holding on to way too long. Just way too long. For some of you, it's just going to be, you know, who knows and as i'm saying this you know you could be thinking of it in your mind but but the bottom line is, is there's a lot of unnecessary things that consume our lives a lot of the time and in this and in this model of change and transformation and being willing to risk god says you're going to have to start laying down some of that unnecessary stuff if you want to truly link up become a servant for the cause of christ to begin to do some amazing things and see miracles happen you got to lay that that unnecessary stuff down and this morning if we can have every head bowed and every eye closed i want to end where we started In Matthew chapter 7, it said, for those of us who ask, it will be given to us. And when we seek, we find. And when we knock, the door will be open." And this morning, I think that all of us can find ourselves on perhaps three different levels. The first level is those of us who are at the ask stage. We need to ask God right now, it's time for you to make the commitment. You've heard about it. You've sat in services long enough, and yet you've never opened up, and you've never made the commitment. And right now, the Spirit of the Lord sent me here today to tell you, today is the day, now is the time. Don't wait any longer. Don't think about it, but make the commitment right now. It's time that you opened up your life, and you asked you ask, God, I'm messed up and I don't have all the answers. And the great thing is, is that we don't have to have all the answers. You see, we don't get good to get God. We get God and then we get good. You don't have to have your stuff figured out before you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what he's all about. He's going to help. But it's right now, it's time for you to ask. You need to open up your heart and you need to ask. Se- secondly, some of us are here this morning and we're, we're seeking What's that mean? It means maybe you are already in a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you're still seeking God. What is is the calling? What is the next door, the next step that I need to walk through? What's the purpose? What's the destiny for my life? God, I don't know. I feel like I'm stuck. I feel like I'm in a rut. I don't know where to go. I don't want to step out and make the wrong decision. And right now we're seeking. You're seeking that next step. And this morning he wants to reveal it to you. This morning he wants to open up your heart and he wants to say, this is it. For some of you, it's not going to be what you thought because sometimes the next step is just keep coming. And that's not what we want to hear sometimes, but sometimes it's as simple as that. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Just keep coming. And then finally, some of us are at the knock stage. You've been coming along and this is typical churchgoers a lot of the time, but you've been coming and you've been coming. And God is just saying, will you please knock already? Will you please knock? Because as soon as you knock, I'm going to open the door and you're going to experience something so amazing, so incredible, so outstanding that you would never be able to comprehend what I'm going to do inside of you. But you sit outside of the door and you don't knock and you don't get passionate and you don't get full of life. Today, I so wish that you would begin to knock because the door is going to be open. The door is going to be open. This morning, if you're in this room and and you find yourself at the ask stage and, and you need to open up your heart and you need to ask Jesus Christ come and live inside of me. It's time I surrendered my life to you. It's time I got serious about a relationship with you. It's time that I quit living life for myself but I'm going to get into the fire and all that self is going to be consumed and I just want to live for you God. I'm not perfect. I don't claim to be perfect but God here's what I got and I just want you to use it. If that's you, if you want to make a commitment and you want to ask Jesus Christ to come in for the first time Or maybe this is the 50th time and you just need to get back right. Then all over this room, on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand. And Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit are going to come into this place and they're going to fill you up. And you're going to begin to know what it's like to walk in right relationship with God the Father. Amen. One, two, three. Lift your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 13, 14, 15, if that's you, come on, lift it high, don't be ashamed, don't be ashamed, the Holy Spirit's here and he's going to do an amazing work this morning, Now, what I want you to do right now is the boldest thing you're ever going to do, but I want you to get out of your seat, I want you to come down and meet me right here in these altars, don't think about it, don't wait for it, Don't, don't judge or weigh it in your head, just do it right now, begin to come out, right now in the name of Jesus, begin to come out and make your way down to the altar, come on Legacy, let's lift our hands. Come on, begin to walk down right now. Come on, church, let's lift our hands and give God a shout of praise for what He's doing. Amen? If you're in this altar, I just simply want you to lift your hand. One hand, two hands, whatever you're comfortable with. Let's just lift our hands to Jesus Christ. If you're in this altar, I want you to understand that this is the greatest commitment that you can ever make in your entire life because God is sitting here and He has greatness inside of you. Regardless of what you've ever been told, young woman or older woman, you are not worthless, but you are valued. You are valued. Young man, you're not weak, but inside of you is a man who is bold and strong, and you're going to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you're going to do it well. He's got such greatness inside of your life. He wants to do such amazing things inside of your life, and praise God for lifting your hand and saying, Lord, that's me. Right now, all over this room, I want us all to repeat this prayer. Repeat it after me. And for those of you in the altar, as I repeat it, just mean it with everything that's inside of your heart. Because Jesus Christ is here. His Holy Spirit's here and He wants to meet with you. Repeat this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, right now in this place, I confess to you that I am not perfect. God, I have made mistakes and I have turned from you. But, Lord, right now, I abandon myself to your cause, the cause of Jesus Christ. God, I'm tired of living life all about myself. I want to begin to live my life completely changed, completely transformed, running after the perfect will that you have for my life. God, I believe in your son, Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for my sins and through him, I can be set free, I can be made righteous and I can walk in holiness. God, begin to use me. Do something in my life. Do something in my family. Do something in my workplace. Work a miracle. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. For those of you in the altar, you can stay here. Everyone else, why don't we lift our hands all over this room? Because the fact of the matter is, for those of us who aren't in the ask stage, we're probably in the seek or the knock stage, so I want to pray for us as well this morning. As I pray, you don't have to repeat after me, but let's lift our hands and let's get unified together, all right? And the Holy Spirit's going to continue to do His work in this place. God, we love you this morning. And Lord, we abandon ourselves to you, God. We realize that we are nothing without you, that we need you more than anything. And God, there is a plan that is so great for our life. Your word says in Jeremiah that it's a plan of hope and it's a plan of a perfect future, God. You don't want to bring harm to us, but you want to begin to open amazing doors for us to walk into, God. If we're here in this place and we're seeking something out from you, we're seeking the next step, the next move, God, I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit this week. You would begin to open it. God, in the midst of our private worship, Lord, in the midst of our private worship at home, you would continue to speak to us, God. You would continue to reveal your plan to us, your perfect will. And God, I pray that we would be, we would be so in tune with you that we're not going to miss it. We're not going to miss it when it's spoken, Lord, but we're going to be walking in a right relationship with you. God, for those of us in this room, we've been coming week in, week out. God, I pray that the spirit of boldness, the spirit of, of courage would rise up inside of us, that we would knock on the door and say, all right, here I am, Lord. It's about time I knocked on the door. Begin to do something in my life. I want to come in. I want to commune with you. I want to have a relationship with you. God, begin to, begin to raise up a people that are all about change, God, inside of this place, every single Sunday, may we experience change. Change us, God change us each and every day. May we be a people that will pick up our cross and carry it, Lord. We don't want you to look at us and say we're not worthy. God, we want to pick it up and we want to run with it. Let the world see what you've done inside of us so that they will know that Jesus Christ is the one true God. We love you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone here in the altar, I want you to look at me, this church, this pastor, an amazing group of people, an amazing group of leadership. And he's going to come up in just a minute and he's going to give some instructions about about the next step and about things that you can begin to get involved in and and how you can begin to walk out this relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can begin to make the positive steps that are necessary in order to get to to the perfect plan and purpose that he has for your life. And I just want you to know that this is good ground. And, and, and coming from someone who doesn't come here every single week, I think that's saying something. It's a good place to be. It's a healthy place to be, amen? It's good to be a part of a healthy place. I want you to know that God loves you. He's got something for you. It's not the end of the road. This is merely the beginning of an amazing journey with Jesus Christ, amen? Amen. Thank you so much.
0: Everybody just hang tight. We appreciate Pastor Clay, don't we? We appreciate him being with us today. Hey, we do. Hang tight with me for just a second. We're gonna do a couple things. We don't to have to rush out. It's Labor Day weekend. You got nowhere to go tomorrow. I mean, so don't, don't, don't rush. Listen to me for a second. A couple quick things here. If you're, if you're not in a connect group. Now, the one thing I, I wish I could change was is that this is the week we give our Connect leaders a break because it's a holiday week, and so everybody gets a break. So there'll be no Men's Connect in the morning or Tuesday, and I know some of the ladies won't be connecting either this week. But this is the thing, is you've got to determine in your mind right now. Determine in your mind right now. I'm looking at young people, too. You've got you to be. You've got to be here Sunday, Wednesday. got to be here. Guys, I'm looking at you. I want you. I want you. I want you with me in this journey man say to yourself right now i've got to i got to connect and press through nobody's going to come beat you up if you aren't here but i'm telling you you got to you got to connect i want to walk this out with you ladies i'm talking to you too come on we can find time we can find time to be successful in spiritual things yes we can yes we can amen seeing the youngest to the oldest, praise God don't just make a decision, step into transformation, step into change and man, God will turn your life all around and into the best thing you could have ever imagined amen, amen I want right now, this is what I want to do before we go Clay, I I read that passage in Ezekiel and man my mind went a thousand directions you shall come in one way and go out the opposite way and what happened was worship and I want you all to stay right here don't 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 flip on me or anything like that I want I want some of you to slip out we're going to worship God here for just a minute and after we worship I, I need to do one more thing after worship but I want some of you that are used to coming on down with those of you that are here I want you to you say I don't usually come down for worship I got gotcha. you because you're coming in one way and you're going out another way see and what happened in between was the worship thing. And we're going to take just a minute to worship God. So so I want you just to slip out. If that's not you and you're still there, ah, that's that's good to go. But worship God right now with me, will you? What chord riff are we doing here before we do? I'm coming your way. I'm coming your way. Come
1: on, sing to him. I'm coming your way. Coming away. your way. Let them sing. Let them sing. I'm
0: coming. I'm coming. Hey! Hallelujah! Are you going his way? Praise God. Change. I don't know what gate you came in by, but go out the opposite gate this morning. If you came in the south gate, go out the north one. If you came in the north one, go out the south one. You know what would be good for some of you? Is to exit that door on that side. No joke. You think I'm kidding you. go, well, well, my car's right here. No, 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 no. You just a natural statement. I came into church through that door right there. But, but, but Lord, I'm going out that door over there because I need to make a statement. I've come to church so many times and I've walked out the same way. I'm making a statement this morning, this morning. I'm going out a different way. I'm going out a different way. Praise God. Hallelujah. God is good, isn't he? God is good. We're going to worship some more here in just a second, but I need you. We're going, to, we're going to receive an offering. We do this for our guests, and I know Clay's my son, but it doesn't matter. He's, he's a man of God and a servant of the Lord, and we do this whenever our guests come. This is, this is what I want to ask you to do. I want you to slip back real quick because the men need to wait on you, but we're going to worship God real quick, but you need to get ready. Just get your billfold out. If you're writing a check, just write it to Legacy. And we're gonna just gather it up and we'll just bless he and Bethany as they go back to Gainesville and they serve the Lord in Gainesville. I tell you, I had I had them for a year. I could only keep them a year. And the Lord had other plans. But I just tell you what. I I am I I am amazed. I sit here and I listen and I'm just amazed. Mom, aren't you amazed? It's like, could this could this have come from our house? I don't know. I just but I'm just, I've, I've made, I'm making a deal with you, with you right now, Clay. You don't write a book on us until I'm dead. And I won't tell any stories on you. All right? Well, if we told a few, I won't, we had not told them all. I don't know that we told them all. But we'll make that deal. You did great. We appreciate it. And Bethany, we love you because he wouldn't be half of what he is without you. So we appreciate you too amen well man you can wait on the folks right now and if you're not quite ready when it comes just hold on to it and and you can begin to uh sow and we'll just gather that we're gonna we're gonna worship god can we go to the beginning one of those first two songs so every day we'll do every day before we go amen i want to remind everybody ladies remember you got uh, uh you're serving september's date is coming up be a part of that trace is excited about that and, and you should be excited about it And you're going to bless military people All over the world So you need to be a part of that Men, I know you've made your decision this, this morning You're going to be at the Iron Man event this September so, so be a part of that as well Wednesday night You know the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 I used to think that same busy thing You know the people are so busy But the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 That every day they met house to house Every day they wanted to hang out together. And I've come to the conclusion, why not every day? Every day to be able to connect and interact, be a part of the people of God. Amen. God bless you. I'm so glad I pastor in Charleston, South Carolina. I'm so glad. I'm glad I'm hanging out with you guys. And that you're hanging out with us as well a great journey isn't it one last time everybody stand one last time and we're gonna sing and we're gonna go out singing so let's worship God with all of our hearts let's give it a verse or two and then you'll be released but let's give it up put your hands together one last time come on we gotta make some noise in the house of God put your hands together now you come in one way you're getting ready to go out another way.
1: What say, Lord, it's you who gave me life and I can't explain tell much you mean to me now. But you Lord, I give all that I am to you every day. I can be a light that shines your day. Every day, Lord, I learn to stand upon your word, and I pray that I, that I might come to You more. that you guide me with every single step I take. Every day, I will be a light unto the world. Every day, it's You I live for. Every day, I'll follow
0: go. High five a couple of people. Tell them how good it is to see him and how good it is to be in the house of God. And we'll see you on Wednesday night, Wednesday night. We'll see many of you. God bless you. Have a great week. You are released.